When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. of the Bruins beat. A good one here today, of course, as we're joined by my good friend Joe Haggerty of NBC Boston. Of course, I'm Jimmy Murphy, your host here of the Bruins beat on CLNS Media. And Joe, uh, the next week, I mean, a lot of people, they they always say to you around this time of year, like, oh, this is good. The hockey season's over and uh, you guys can kind of wind down, right? And no such luck in the, in the hockey world. I mean, this this may be Really, one of the busiest weeks of the NHL season, Joe, the one leading into the draft. And uh, there's plenty going around the Bruins when it comes to trade rumors and potential signings, huh? Yeah, definitely. Uh, It'll be interesting, though. I mean, given the large number of media that covers the Bruins, it seems like every year there's always speculation, names tossed around, a lot of anticipation as what's going to happen, you know, at the draft and then leading up to July 1st and free agency. And you know, sometimes it pans out, sometimes it becomes big moves, and other times it's uh, like it was last year where their big July 1 moves were uh, Kenny Agostino and Paul Post as free agents. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I I do think they're going to do something because, you know, obviously they're close and they're going to feel like they're, you know, a Stanley Cup, uh, a legit Stanley Cup contender next season. Uh, But by the same token, they, they should have recognized, and I think they did in the playoffs, that you know, there are some areas they need to get better at and improve. There's some parts of the roster that certainly uh, need to get better. And in, in some instances, there are places that they're not going to be able to uh, <coughs> replace, replace. They're not going to be able to replace with young players. You know, they're not going to be able to, you know, fill in with some of their prospects, some of these uh, spots like second line scorer and, you know, a left shot top four guy on defense. Uh, they really don't have those guys ready to go. Uh, in the minor league. So I, I certainly think they're going to do something. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, big moves left, right, and center, uh, <clears throat> but it, it'll be interesting. You, you know, Joe, it's, it's an interesting, I mean, we've, we've discussed this on air and off in our, our many rides to TD Garden, but it's an interesting balance. That, I mean, not only Don Sweeney, every NHL GM is going to deal with this now in the cat world, but Don Sweeney right now is, it, it, it's not a bad position to be in. But it's, it's also not an easy one where he's got to balance the now and the future and not lose track of 
the future that he's built so far. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he does that. I mean, can he go out, you think, and with what he has in his arsenal of prospects or maybe even a roster player, can he go out and, and resolve that, that top left D uh, spot there that, you know, he's been very open about Cam Neely has been very open about trying to do that, but can he do that without really maybe altering some of the, the stable of prospects like guys he doesn't want to let go? Can he do it and keep those guys, so to speak? I mean, they're going to have to give up something to get something, you know, I, yeah. if they, if they want a guy like Noah Hannafin uh, in, in Carolina, they're certainly going to have to give up some blue chip assets to make that happen. You know, um, the good thing with them is that, you know, they, they've got a lot of good young wingers and, and maybe not every single one of them is going to be able to play, uh, somewhere next year. You know, mm-hmm. they, they've got, uh, Jake DeBrusque, they've got Danton Heinen, they've got Anders Bjork, they've got Brian Donato. So are they going to be able to find spots on their NHL roster for all four of those guys on the wing? I, I don't know. You know, I, I think one of them could certainly be used, um, in a trade, if, if they feel like they're getting a special player back, a guy that's going to be a game changer for them, a guy that's going to step up and be a front line left shot D. And by all accounts, everybody I've talked to around the organization, and I know you too, they certainly like Hannafin. They tried to trade for him in 2015 when they tried to move up in the first round to select him. Uh, that's the reason they had those three picks uh, in a row in the middle of the first round that they got stuck with because mm-hmm. uh, they thought, I think, they were going to be able to move up and get Hannafin. So. You know, he's a guy that's been on their radar for a long time. Uh, it seems like Carolina is going to move him or is resigned to the fact that that's the guy they're going to move. They've got a lot of other young D that they like. So, you know, there's, there's a real interesting combination of both pieces uh, and needs that I think Carolina and Boston match, match up really well. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is, like, part of having all these young prospects, all these young assets for the Bruins, is that not every single one of them is going to end up on your team. You know, whether they end up on your team and they end up being a productive member of your team and they end up part of this young core that they're building, or they bring you something that you haven't been able to draft and develop on your own, uh, they're still being used towards the same cause. And I think one thing that Don Sweeney has, has rightfully showed is a lot of caution in moving young players and giving up on young assets and and as the Bruins say, sprinkling their talents around the rest of the league. I think they've done plenty of that in the past. They don't want to do anything. Sweeney has shown that he's going to make the right moves. I mean, look, they trade, they gave up a lot for Rick Nash, but I really feel like the only big asset that they gave up to get Rick Nash was the first-round pick, and it was the 26th pick it turned out to be in the first round that the Rangers got. You know, the rest yeah. of the stuff that they gave up, even Ryan Lindgren, you no, know, he's a good player, but I don't. I don't think he projects to be a, a a real force on the back end. So you know, I think they they do the right thing, and they're not going to give up assets that are really going to hurt them in the long run. And you know, Sweeney has drafted and developed these guys, and he's going to be married to them. He's not going to give up a lot of these prospects willingly because he wants them to to be good players for the Bruins. Let Let me ask you this though: we're we're looking at wingers right now. So let's say we we got, and we'll 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 throw Donato in the mix there because he could be a center and a winger. Anders Bjork, Ryan Donato, Danton Heinen, and Jake DeBrusque. Are any yeah. of those guys to you untouchable? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give up Jake DeBrusque. I just wouldn't. I, I think given what he showed last year, given the kind of player, the makeup and the character that he has, given the way he has 
shown a penchant for stepping up in big moments and big games and, you know, really shining. Uh, the fact that he plays in a lot of respects the way you want a Bruins player to play, I, I just don't think you give up on that guy, and I don't think you, you, you trade him somewhere else. You know, he might not have the most uh, high-end ceiling talent of those four wingers. You know, I, I'd probably more of a, be more of a mind that would either be Anders Bjork, which it may be difficult to trade him, you know, right off the hop coming off shoulder surgery, uh, or Danton Heinen, who had an extremely good year. I think he's going to be a very good NHL player. Um, but you've got so many good young wings that if you have to give up a player like that whose value is pretty high right now, in order to get something else back, you might be willing to do it. So I don't think I'd give up Donato. I, I really like what I've seen there. I want to see how he develops as a Bruin. And, you know, if, if Donnie trades Ryan, Teddy will probably kill him. So he's, he's probably not going to do it for, for that reason either. Uh, but it, I, the Bruskins and Donato are the guys that I'd probably hang on to and not trade at all. Uh, Bjork would certainly be high atop the list of a prospect that I would trade at this point. And uh, I think Heinen, uh, begrudgingly, if you had to give up a guy in a trade that you knew was going to help you in the long term, you, you might be willing to talk about him. Yeah, I hear you. And let, let's remember, too, that there is, you know, a lot of rumors that DeBrusque uh, was headed to the Rangers in that potential uh, Nash deal. And, you know, his name was well, they were asking about him, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and well, so. I think Jeff Gordon, no. Jeff, Gordon, Jeff Gordon saw what we all saw, that he's yeah. a very good NHL player. And he's probably just scratching the surface of what he's going to be. It doesn't surprise me at all that they wanted him. Yeah, and Sweeney's already said no to that. So that's a, that's a sign right there that you could probably expect him, uh, Jake DeBrus to be around uh, after this offseason's done. One guy I want to ask you to, and we'll get back to potential trades and, and then get into the whole Kovalchuk stuff in a bit. But, you know, the buy, uh, we're recording this on Friday, and the buyout period started uh, this, today. And, you know, I don't know uh, what's going to happen. You know, you and I were kind of wondering where he is health-wise right now, but could you ever see them buying out David Backus? Sir, I don't see them buying him out now. Uh, do you really want – And, can, and can, uh, you know, can they, like, with the NHL rules, can they with the concussion that he just had? Does that affect that? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know that they could. But even – let's say that they could. Do you really want, like, what is it going to be like? 1.5 or something like that. I don't even know what the number is for the buyout. I didn't look it up. But do you really want whatever that number is going to be on your cap for six years? Yeah, I think it would be 1.7, something around there. Yeah. yeah. Do you want a $1.75 million cap hit on your hit, your cap for the next six years, buying out the last three years? Yeah, remember, they are, and David? they've got 3.8, Joe, remember, in the next uh, two years at least. They have 3.8, so – Right. So, so like, what? Are, yeah, but exactly. So, and and that's what makes it even worse. But like, you know, the the bottom line is, do you really want to be paying for the next six years because you decided you needed to buy out David Backus right now? I I don't. I wouldn't want that. I don't think that's a good move as a GM. Uh, certainly, I think Backus is still a useful player for them. And you know, obviously he's you. not as good as he not as good as he used to be. Obviously, he's too much. He's an extravagance for a third-line player making $6 million a year. Um, but, like, if you get rid of him, who is your power forward, big-body guy that's going to battle in front of the net, drop the gloves every once in a while, you know, play the body, like, do all the stuff that he does? 
Like, who's that guy? They don't have any of those guys in their roster. They're all young, small. Exactly. Fast. That's going to fall on Jake DeBrusque. And he, I don't think he'll he's going to that guy every night. Yeah, and he's not really that player, you know? Yeah. I, I, I just – there are – and it goes beyond that. There's also the fact that Riley Nash is your third-line center the last two years. He had his career year this year and his yeah. free agent year. He's, not he's probably going to walk somewhere else because he's going to get more money there. They're not going to be able to keep him and pay him. And you're probably going to need Trent Frederick or Jakob Borsbacher Carlson or one of your other young third-line centers to come in and, and play third-line center. So don't you want David Backus there on his right side to potentially be that veteran mentor and that calming influence yeah. and you know the, the guy that on ice is going to kind of shepherd that young player through? I, I just think you know beyond the, the, the leadership component, the, all the other stuff that he brings to the table, the guy can still play, and I don't think you should buy him out. And that, Don Sweeney said as much in the combine. He's not going to go with any buyouts, and I think that's the right play with this team. I don't think there's anybody they should be buying out at this point. Certainly not a guy with three years left on his contract. Um, you know, in a perfect world, uh, could you get out? Would you get out of the Backus contract? Would you get out of David Krejci's contract? Yeah, of course you would. I just don't think there are feasible, reasonable scenarios out there where you're going to be able to do it. Now, let, let me let me tell the listeners, Joe. We don't plan this stuff. So that, that wasn't planned there, that beautiful segue you just had. But <laughs> Darren Drager on uh, Insider Trading, I don't know if you saw it on TSN the other night, uh, threw a little nugget in. He, he really snuck it in, too. It was, it was, he, he said it, and then he went right on to the next topic. But he said it, and he, he snuck it in there. And it, knowing Drags, it's, it's coming from someone on, on one side. You know, someone important told him that. And asked him to get that out there. He said there's interest in David Krejci. Now, most of us would say, well, yeah, no shit. He's a great, he's a great center. I mean, he's, he can still play. But, of course, he's got that cap hit three years left at 7.2. So what I was going to say, Joe, and I, like I said, beautiful segue there, going back to our potential trades. Could David Krejci – be packaged in a deal for Noah Hannafin. And you still got to throw in a top prospect. But does that ease the, the level of top prospect, so to speak? Because we're going to, you know, the Bruins are going to say, hey, we're giving you a legit number two center in the NHL still here. I know he's got an expensive contract, but he's still, he's got a, he's been to two cups. He won one. He's still a good leader. He can come in and help your young guys. He can give you experience. Could they ever mix that in? Uh, with the likes and say, you know, you throw in a Bjork and, and then the Bruins have, would have to obviously take some salary back as well from Carolina. But could you ever see that happen? I mean, the only scenario I could see that happening um, with the Hurricanes is if they, they are having issues. If, yeah, they need a center, but also if they're having issues getting the salary cap floor. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, it, it, look, the salary cap's going to go up fairly significantly this year. So the salary cap floor is also going to go up, you know, a commensurate amount. So there may be some teams out there that are going to have to get to the floor and spend money to get there. Maybe it could happen in that way. Certainly, I I think, yes, they'd be giving Carolina a top center, you know, but they're also giving Carolina a top center that's on the wrong side of 30 and making seven plus million a year. (laughs) You've got to expect that Carolina is going to say, look, we're taking this massive contract off your books either you're paying half of that money to us to pay for his contract, or you're giving us a top flight prospect to go along with, the, with us, with him 
you know, for us to take that contract. I don't think you're going to be able to sell Carolina that they're getting some uh, huge steal of a, a player in David Krejci in exchange for Noah Hannafin. Right? Yeah. And, and, you and know. the other thing, too, Joe, you got to keep in mind is, you know, this, own, this new owner in Carolina who's – I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen an owner be this uh, openly involved in player personnel comments yeah. to the press – in, in, in my career, my 17-year career, year career covering the game, I, I've never seen a guy just be this openly involved. And, you know, obviously some GMs didn't want the job because of that. And he's also made it clear that they're a budget team. Uh, so, I mean, then that's sort of you look at the Krejci situation there. Okay, so if, he, if he's a budget guy, why is he going to take on this contract? But I don't know. I mean, you and I have talked before. We are trying to figure out places that maybe Krejci would waive his no movement to go to. And we said, well, you know, he's, he's got a place in South Carolina, right? I mean, right. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's what I've often wondered. Yeah. Is whether he would agree to go to a Southern team because he lives in Charleston in the off season. And, you know, maybe that would be attractive to him because I, in the past, I think any scenario that's come up, he's definitely used the, the no movement clause and the no trade clause, you know, as, as a protection to not get moved. I don't think he's had any appetite to get, uh, getting traded away from the Bruins in the past, but, you know, maybe that's going to change now. He's got a young family. Uh, maybe he wants to move closer to where he is living, you know, in the off season. And, you know, that, that part of it might be possible. But like I said, I, you know, moving a player that's like 31, 32 years old, that's making 7 million plus a year, that doesn't happen much. Like no. with, term on his contract you know that's that's the big ask and usually you have to give up a lot in order to make that happen because teams have to be willing to take on that contract could it happen sure is there a possibility it, you know in a vacuum would teams be interested in David Krejci sure I think they would every team's looking for frontline center help you know almost every team in the league and he's a proven guy he's done in the postseason all that stuff but, you know, teams just don't go out and trade for players like David Krejci given his contract situation. That, that doesn't happen without a lot of coaxing. Yeah, and, and let me ask you this. I mean, I, I don't envision this happening at all, right? And, and so we're not – There's no. I haven't heard anything. We're not – Joe and I are not starting rumors right now. We're just spitballing. But could you ever envision the Bruins getting in on Eric Carlson? Um. Or does it, that completely go against the direction they're going in right now? I think it goes against the direction they're going in, but that's what I think. You know, yeah, but he's I, out there. I mean, he's getting dealt now with everything that just went down in Ottawa. But but the the amount of the contract he's going to get would just blow up their salary cap. And exactly. I, you know, I, I think he's he's obviously a great player. I just don't I don't know that you're ever going to win a cup with him as your number one D. I, mm. you know, I think there's enough defensive shortcomings there and. I've seen him mail in enough games before, you know, to, to think he's really not like a, like a, a died in the wool, you know, leader or captain type that's going to bring no, you to the cup. I don't know. I thought he played two years ago. I thought he played like a real leader in that playoff run that came out. of. No, he did. He did, but they still didn't win, even though he was brilliant. You yeah. know, I, I, I don't know. And, and, and he's got foot problems. Like, that's, you know, he's not my, getting any younger. Right there, man. That's my, like, yeah, I, I think when you put the whole package together, I just don't know that you want to sign him to whatever massive deal he's going to get, and it would end up working out for you. I, you'd be paying for past performance rather than future performance, and that's always a bad deal uh, for any NHL team. I, I, what makes more sense to me, 
and what we haven't really talked about much is Ilya Kovalchuk. You know, yeah, that's like a one or a two year deal. You know, six million ish in that neighborhood you a don't year. Don't give anybody up. No, you don't have to give anybody up. You're just bringing him in. You, you expect he's got the size that you want. He certainly mm-hmm. has the shot to be able to you know, jump into their power play. You'd be putting him on the second line, so you're not asking him to be a world changer for you. You just want him to come in and provide some offense. And I think that's the exact right situation for him to be in at this point in his career at 35 years old. And and I think, you know, I think he'd be a much bigger force offensively, obviously, than Rick Nash was. I think I don't know how much Rick Nash has left after watching him play with the Bruins. And granted, he had the concussion. But even before that, he seemed like he had a lot of trouble finishing around the net. And, he, yeah. you know, he, he didn't want to go to the net as strongly and as hardly as he should have, given his size and strength. And he certainly wasn't finishing like he used to earlier in his career. And, you know, it, it seemed to me like he's very much on the back nine after watching him play. And I, I think Kovalchuk maybe has a little bit more left as far as explosive scoring ability at this point, even though he's a couple of years older. So, you know, I think that's the kind of player that makes sense for the Bruins. Short term, a couple of years, maybe bigger money, and that's okay. You're going to pay it, especially if it's not giving up anything to get them. And, and the kind of player that could kind of get you over the hump while you still have, you know, Bergeron in his prime, Martian in his prime, Krejci in his prime, uh, Zdeno Char still playing. You know, the, the, the core group that's still together now that probably has a window of another year or two before it changes a little. You know, I, I think you can afford to bring on a couple of veterans, at least one, like a Kovalchuk as a hired gun to, to help you. When it was clear watching them against Tampa, they were too top-heavy offensively. They didn't have enough players that were able to create offense or score, aside from Marshan, Bergeron, and Pasternak, and they need some of that moving forward against the good defensive teams. Clearly, they could get by against a team against Lake Toronto in the first round with a, with a roster makeup like that. But you're not going to be able to beat good teams with good defenses by just having one line scoring for you, and they yeah. need more than that. The only thing I worry about with Kovalchuk, and look, I, I don't, I don't know the guy. I, I don't know the details or anything, but just the way, you know, he, he, I don't know. He strikes me as a guy that might not be the right guy for a young, growing team like the Bruins in terms of leadership. yeah. Uh, and, and look at the way he left New Jersey in such a mess. I mean, he can yeah, no. them over. There's definitely questions like that about him and, and about bringing him in, but the, the argument I guess I would make is that. They've got such strong leadership otherwise that I think they could handle a guy like that. Like, yeah. Is Kovalchuk going to be able to pull young players away from, like, the influence that Bergeron and Chara have on them? I don't think no. so. You know? no. I think he's just going to come in and be like Nash was. Nash was basically yeah. a hired gun that came in and was, was brought in to score, really just kind of did his own thing, and then that was it. And I think that's what Kovalchuk would be. I don't think you'd have a sphere of influence in the Bruins room. I think they've got enough veteran established leaders that that's just not going to happen. And if he was a big enough problem, you know, they would, they would obviously cut the cord on it or, you know, try to minimize the problem. But the only guys that are, I think are real issues like that in a room are guys that are going to be able to influence and sway young players. And I just don't think a guy like Kovalchuk is going to be able to do that. Yeah, I'm with you. And let's keep in mind, I mean, obviously he spent the bulk of his career in Atlanta. So you didn't see much play right. action there, but – he does have 27 points in 32 playoff games. Uh, I, again, Rick Nash has a lot more playoff experience, but Rick Nash, let's face it, I mean, he's not been a playoff guy throughout his career. 
Well, Kovalchuk, that last full year he had in the NHL, I mean, that was an extremely average New Jersey Devils team that he helped get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. Granted, they you know, lost to the Yeah, they lost to the Kings when they got there, but like he was a fantastic uh, player for them, and that team was not good at all. So, yeah, I agree. There's much different sort of pedigree of, of who he is and, and what he's done in his career. I, I mean, I, I think the thing you look at with him where he's different than Nash is he's kind of had that uh, reputation of being sort of a selfish player, being a temperamental player, being a guy that, you know, isn't necessarily always a, a winner or a team first. But I think the skills have always been there. And I don't, I don't think you question his makeup in big games or his ability to, you know, really perform when, when things are on the line like you kind of did with Nash and, you know, it's kind of what we saw. Like, I, I came away from watching Rick Nash play with the Bruins feeling very much he's in the Joe Thornton mold of kind of gentle giant, sort of, you know, quiet guy, doesn't really have a big fire burning inside, just kind of goes out and does his thing. And, you know, those players are okay, especially when they've got massive natural ability that's going to carry them through. But at this point in his career where it seems like his, you know, skills and his his power forward skill set's diminishing a little bit. I don't know if it, that's going to change. I don't know if he's going to be able to, you know, light the fire again to the point where he's going to be a game-changing force at all. And, you know, I don't think he's going to – I hope the Bruins don't sign him, honestly, because I just don't think he's going to be worth whatever money. And I think they'd be paying for a player that's, that's you know, that doesn't have much left in the tank, put it that way. Yeah. And you look at Kovalchuk. <laughs> I mean, he's now won a world championship. He's won Olympic gold. So, you know, he's kind of looking at it. I got to complete the hat trick here. I want to come back to the NHL. And I don't think he's coming back to just ride out a contract and eat up right. money. I think he's coming back with it in mind. Like, this is what I, this is what I need. I mean, he's, he's seen his countryman Ovechkin finally do it after all that time. He wants to put that in his legacy. So he's coming back to win. So he's got some motivation right. there. You know, it's not just going to be a, a guy that's going to float. Uh, so to speak. So I, I'm with you. I, I think if they could get him one or two years, you know, I don't, I wouldn't go above two years with him, but if they can get him for one yeah. or two years, I, I think it's a perfect fit. Yeah. And, and if you're Don Sweeney, don't get wrapped up in, you know, that four or five teams are interested. And if, you know, the Kings of the Sharks want him and they're willing to go three years, then like, let them yeah. go, you know, yeah. but if you, if you can get them on your terms, sell them on coming to a winning environment where, you know, he's going to be close to the cup and, you know, that this might be the place for him and that he's going to be in a really good spot for him to succeed and, and do well. Yeah. But like, you know, I don't think it should be lost on anybody. They flaked on the New Jersey Devils and went to Russia. And, you know, that that's always going to be a part of his, you know, his, his uh, body of work and his reputation uh, wherever he goes. You always kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah, for sure. Joe, uh, before we let you go, uh, you know, we, we know that Anton Hudobin and the Bruins have a mutual interest in, in, in re-signing. Have you heard anything, any updates on that, how close they are, if it's going to happen? Uh, and, you know, there's one thing I, I read, I, I don't know who wrote it, but there was a, you know, thing where he, he's kind of been very open about the fact that he thinks backups should deserve almost as much money as starters. Uh, what does that say uh, about where the negotiations could be if you – I you think maybe he's asking for too much. Is that the holdup? Well, if he wants as much as Tuka Rask or close to it, yeah, I would say that's a holdup. I, 
I don't, I don't think that's the case. I mean, yeah. look, we'll, we'll see what happens when, you know, Anton Hudobin's one of those guys that's pretty funny and pretty outspoken exactly. and says some outlandish stuff. We don't know the context of that statement, right? You know, we don't yeah, know. so, uh, like, maybe something was lost in translation. Maybe he was joking around. But who the hell knows? Uh, I haven't. I've have actually not seen what you're talking about. So uh, yeah, maybe I, I, maybe he was back in Siberia with his cousin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be. <laughs> but like, look, I, I think it's pretty cut and dried with him, right? Like, if if he wants to, because I think, like, from what I gathered, I think the Bruins were even hesitant on giving him multiple years. Yeah, because I think there was a feeling that. Um, he came into training camp out of shape that first season. It was part of the reason that he wasn't good that first year. And it took him like almost the whole year and trips to Providence to finally get his game together and, you know, starting playing well down the stretch. But I, I think there's some concern or there's some uh, awareness from the Bruins that if they give him multiple years, he could do the same kind of thing um, to, you know, start the first year if he's got another two years guaranteed. So, you know, in an ideal world, I think they'd even want to go year to year, year with him. But I, they probably would have to go, I would think, two years, maybe like $1.5 million a year, something like that. Uh, give him a little bit of a raise from what he got the last few years to, to keep him intact. Just based on they know that he can do the job. They know that he gets along with Tuca. They know that he gets along with the rest of the team. You know, he's a good fit here. Like, just the comfort of it, of bringing him back, knowing he's done it before. Um, you give him that because because he's earned it. But like, yeah. if he wanted way more money than that in more term, or you know, no, they I, they would be able to find somebody else. It certainly, I don't think I don't think Zane McIntyre's up for it. I don't know that they have anybody in the organization that would be able to be too harassed back. I mean, you need a guy that's going to be able to play, you know, twenty five games and play really well because they have a number one who needs to play fifty five to sixty games and kind of needs sort of that high maintenance as a number one, he needs that physical and mental rest. So, you know, that, that's, you're going to need a quality backup. You're going to have to pay for it, but they'd be able to get somebody decent if they were willing to pay two years, $3 million total, whether it's Anton Hudobin or somebody else. So, yeah. but it would, they'd probably have to go outside the organization to get them if Hudobin went somewhere else. So I, if he wants to make $6 million a year, I'd call his bluff and tell him to go get it on July 1 and come back if, uh, if he doesn't. Yeah, sure. We'll see what happens there. Because <laughs> you know, actually, I want to ask you one more thing, Joe, and we've had this conversation on and off air before. You know, I had wrote back in, like, March that I somebody was telling me that the Bruins and Oilers had discussed Clefbaum, Oscar Clefbaum for Tory Krug, but it was just exploratory discussions. Of course, that has since, since the season ended, that has become – uh, somewhat prevalent when it comes to trade rumors around the Bruins. What are you hearing on that? And, and do you think the Oilers and Bruins are still in? Were they ever? Or, and are they in discussions right now? I don't know if they're in discussions right now or not. I know that Clefbaum is, is a guy that they're interested in, that they like. You know, I don't know that there's been, there's been a progression of discussions at this point. I certainly don't think you know, Tory Krug is on the trading block. I, I think there's probably a, a realization from the Bruins that, you know, if they're going to bring it's in cap issue. some talent, well, it, cap issue, and if they're also going to bring in some talent at other positions, you know, they're going to need to give up something to get mm -hmm. something. And, and maybe they have to give up him to get an asset, get the player that they want, um, you know, whether it's straight one for one, whether it's you trade him to Vancouver for their first round pick and package that's, that. I can, trade Joe, I can confirm that's being discussed. 
Right. They are so, definitely talking to Vancouver about that pick. But, like, look, Tory Krug is 27, I think, now. Um, he's been broken down in the playoffs the last two years. He's small. What good is he if he's not healthy in the playoffs like he is during the regular season? You're going into next year if you don't make a move with a 42-year-old Zeno Chara during the season and two super small defensemen in Tory Krug and, and uh, Matt Grizzly that are very similar. Um, so I, I just think you need to make a move to change the composition of what your left side is and also for the salary cap. And if you believe that Charlie McAvoy can quarterback the top power play unit and replace the offensive production that Krug gives you right now, and you believe that Matt Grizzly has got some improvement in his game that he can still reach a higher level, I think you need to do it because I think you have yep. young players I'm in place you. to kind of replace what the point that he's going to leave. But, yep. you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, let's not, and let, you know, let's not shortchange Krug, though, Joe. I mean, I, I thought he was having a great playoff until he got hurt. You know, I thought he yeah. was one of their better plays. Was he, was he coughing a puck up a little more than you'd want? Yeah, sure. I mean, and that's obviously a weakness that he's constantly trying to improve. But I, I thought he was really a, a clutch guy for them until, you know, he went into the boards there against Tampa. And I, and I think that hurt them a lot when they lost him. But I'm with you. This, and and peop, when we say this, like, I want the listeners to understand, we're not trying to knock Krug by any means. If anything, I think when, when both of us agree that he's a good trade candidate, it's a compliment to him because we're saying how attractive he would be to the trade partner with Boston. So uh, by no means are we saying, you know, Krug is a bad player, get rid of him. It's just, this is a salary cap world and, and you got to give to get in this day and age. And you also got to look ahead and like, you made a great point there with that money. You got to think about getting younger and getting better. So it, that's the way you got to do it now in this cap world. And it's, it, you have to make tough decisions. Yep. I'm with you. That's it, my friend. Well, listen, I know it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting week down there in Dallas. Hags, uh, we wish you a fun trip down there. Uh, yeah, like, what's Dallas like uh, social-wise? Are you got any good places or what? Uh, it's not my favorite place, so I'm going <laughs> to make the best of it, Mark. <laughs> All right, my friend. Find some good barbecue right. or something and stay cool, eh? I will, buddy. Take care. All right. That's Joe Haggerty, NBC Boston. Join us here on... The Bruins beat on CLNS Media. We'll send you out with something new from the Mighty Mighty Boston. We'll talk to you next week on Draft Weekend. Have a good one. Expectations are high. Corrections are made. Aspirations just die. They can be vicious, malicious, corrupt. Don't get suspicious and don't interrupt. Try flying low and just go where you're told to stand.